Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on this Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I want to loop in our Red Sox and Bruins insider over at Ness and now Tom Karen. TC, thanks for being with us as always on a Wednesday. How are you? Doing well, Brady. How you doing? I'm doing well as well. The stove is hot right now for everybody but the Boston Red Sox, it seems like. The Blue Jays make a move today, getting some bullpen help. The Yankees did some stuff yesterday, re-signing Anthony Rizzo. The Rays made some minor trades. So the division is churning, and the Red Sox are kind of sizing things up. What exactly are they sizing up? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I you know, the the first and foremost thing was dealing with a qualifying offer and getting your 40-man set called five minor leaguers up a rung to keep them protected in the Rule 5 draft. No surprise, obviously, that uh, Xander Bogart didn't accept the qualifying offer. That would have been a cut in pay for yeah. him. Uh, but on the other side, Evaldi, I think some people thought he might grab that, pitch his way back in. He says no. They can and probably will continue discussing a long-term con- uh, contract. But the frustrating thing is, and you know, if you're a Red Sox fan, you've kind of been watching inactivity from this team now for the better part of a year, right? I mean, the, the movement at the trade deadline didn't uh, do a lot, kind of straddled the fence there, and we know that didn't work. Uh, and now everybody wants quick action. Everybody wants Xander Bogart walking through that door. Everybody wants an extension for Raphael Devers. We know that High and Bloom doesn't operate like that. It's more methodical. It's more thoughtful, uh, and we're going to have to have some patience to watch this unfold. You know what? What's frustrating me, and I, I've been you and I have talked about this. I've been a high and bloom defender. I'm generally a proponent of the plan, and I believe at the minor league level. High and Bloom is doing it perfectly right. Build up prospect depth, make some low-level signings, try to develop players, be disciplined in not trading all of them away right away. I think at the minor league level, it's being done right. But at the major league level, the lack of urgency is starting to get to me, and I am getting a little bit frustrated by that, TC. Well, it's easy to, right? I mean, the Yanks move quickly on Rizzo, uh, not just taking care of him, but obviously locking up Aaron Judge's best friend. You can make the analogy that that's Bogarts to Devers, right? Get Bogarts done quickly so that maybe Devers becomes a little bit easier. Uh, the Angels, moving on the Tyler Anderson thing, which is an interesting contract, uh, but he turns down 19-point-whatever as a qualified offer, and, and basically he's going to play three years to get double that. So that's an interesting deal, but it's a lot of money for a reliever. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a matter of Bloom wants the market to set itself a little bit before making these moves. But, you know, the, the days of the Red Sox having a lot of money and moving quickly are gone. They have a lot of money. They're not moving quickly. It's frustrating. Rob Bradford put out the other day that the Red Sox offered a multi-year deal to Nathan Avaldi, and obviously we don't know the terms yet on that, so the money will dictate largely how we feel about that. And I said this the other day, I have no problem with Nathan Avaldi coming back. I, I don't. I like Nathan Avaldi. I think he's better than he showed last year, obviously, when he was injured. But Nathan Avaldi to me, cannot be this rotation's big move. This is a rotation right now that is older and has a lot of question marks when we talk about Sale and Paxton, and if you bring back Evaldi, it's it's a lot of older pitchers with question marks. I need an A guy, and I don't have a Carlos Rodon, a Justin Verlander, or a Jacob DeGrom yet. No, it's exactly right, because listen, the Paxton taking the $4 million uh, player option is, is really good news. He was throwing in his 90s before the setback. Uh, it's been a long time, but he's been a good pitcher. Sale's been a very good pitcher. 
but he's thrown, what, 20-something innings in the last three years? Uh, and, and, and Ivaldi has, you know, every other year he, he deals with a number of injuries. So you can't tell me that that's the trio you're relying on. In fact, they came out last week at the winter meetings, Brian O'Halloran saying they are planning on Garrett Whitlock yes. being a starting pitcher. So that's, that's good to know for Whitlock. That's good to know for fans. But he's coming off a hip injury as well. Uh, Brian Bayo is the only guy in this rotation right now. And Nick Pavetta, who, who didn't have great numbers, but at least took the ball and made 33 starts. Uh, they're the only guys healthy. I'm with you. I want a top two-level pitcher at the top of this rotation to make me feel good. If you throw a guy at or near the top of this rotation, the rest of that all falls into place. They'll have the depth. They'll have the redundancy that if one of these guys misses a significant amount of time with injuries, they have someone else who can pitch in there. But I can't lean on those three with an untested Whitlock as a starter to take me to where I want to be. Tom Karen, Red Sox insider over at Nesson Bruins as well. We'll get to that momentarily. He's here with us on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Could you see Pavetta being moved? I could. Uh, I could see just about anybody uh, in, in that sort of realm. A Pavetta, an Alex Verdugo, a Mitch Moreland. I think there's a fair number of established major leaguers on this roster who could get moved. I think – the guys who won't get moved are, are the Casas and the Bayo, the young guys that they want to build the future around. But I could see, I could see Pavetta getting moved. I told you all along, and I, I'm a guy screaming in the wilderness about this. I'd love to see Pavetta as a closer. Yeah, I, I've always thought he's got the velocity, he's got the emotion, he's got the makeup, he's got the mound presence. I'd love to see him be the guy coming in. I don't know why, but I've always had sort of visions of Jonathan Papelbon when I see Pavetta come in. Uh, he did it a couple of years ago in the playoffs, was phenomenal in extended relief. Uh, you know, remember that high stepping off the mound as the crowd went wild at Fenway against the Rays. Uh, I just, you know, I think he would be uh, a great fit in that bullpen, and you could always have him as a spot, a spot starter if you had all kinds of injuries. So I think he could get moved, could get moved into the bullpen, uh, because if you keep if you add a rotation guy and everybody's healthy, I think Pavetta becomes one of the odd men out. You know, it's interesting too. The bullpen needs probably three to four pretty good arms. Well, the reliever market has moved yeah. pretty quickly. Edwin Diaz is already gone. Suarez is already gone. He goes back to uh, back to San Diego. Montero stays in Houston. The Mariners just traded Swanson, who clearly was available. So the relievers, like the Red Sox, need a bunch of them. And a lot of the top-end targets are already gone, TC. Yeah, it's, uh, that's happening fast. And, and, you know, there's been talk that there were a couple of uh, relievers last year they were in on, that they maybe acted a little too slowly and they locked up uh, elsewhere. Uh, they can't let that happen again because more than anything now, uh, again, I think you're one starter away from feeling okay about the rotation. You're three relievers away from putting this bullpen back where it needs to be. Uh, and that's even with uh, the, the potential of a Pavetta with Tanner Houck. It looks like he's going to be earmarked for the bullpen. Uh, Matt Barnes pitching better, as we know. Uh, but Strom is probably gone, uh, wants to maybe be a starter somewhere. We'll see if they bring him back. They need to lock up at least two, three guys in short order to let us all calm down about the bullpen. You know, TC, I'm not angry about this, and I don't get angry about guys making personal decisions, but I do notice, like I do note, that it's a little bit 
I don't know, maybe odd that I read yesterday that Tristan Casas might play for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. He was just playing for Team USA in the Olympics. Yeah, I know. I know. But you got I guess you go with the option uh where the option exists, right? And you gotta do what you gotta do and and yeah, I'm I'm not crazy about flip flopping countries. It's one thing when you're bouncing around teams. Uh, you know, and, and maybe it's because, you know, he played there and he's uh maybe he wants to get closer to uh, to Alex Cora, a proud uh, Puerto Rican. Uh, but yeah, I was a little surprising. Uh, I frankly, I'd rather he don't play in the World Baseball <laughs> Classic at all. I wanted to have a full spring training and get ready for a day job with the Boston Red Sox. Hey, let's talk about the Bruins who are still dynamite, dynamite, excuse me, on the ice and still a little bit questionable off the ice right now. Yesterday, the Bruins said they were going with an independent firm to review their vetting processes. I'm sorry. To me, that just reeks of eyewash to deflect blame. Like, if you bring in a player that has that many character flags and that many question marks, doesn't the vetting process go right up to the top to the ownership group, Cam Neely and Don Sweeney themselves? Shouldn't they be the one taking the blame? What is there to review other than thou how they handled it personally? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I had a hard time sort of understanding what this is really supposed to do. Uh, I, you know, your investigation is in house. Uh, if Cam Neely said, we got to learn what went down, Cam Neely to me should be able to figure that out. Now, maybe this is ownership getting involved, looking at Cam's involvement in it along with everyone else and, and want to get uh, a, a fact, but it, I don't know. Do that internally. I don't. I don't need a public uh, a flogging of whatever happened. Figure out what broke down. Take care of uh, you know admonishing whoever screwed up here, and and move on and be better in the future. But yeah, I, I didn't like any of this. I don't. I, it prolongs it. It uh, it, it does a smack of uh, as you said eyewash of sort of trying to to say well look here's what the investigator said so we're clear. Uh, yeah, I didn't like it. I uh, I want this uh, to be dealt with and moved on from, uh, and this to me just prolongs the whole thing. You know, we talked about this four or five months ago, that when teams move on from coaches, it doesn't necessarily mean that those coaches are bad. It just means that teams kind of go in cycles in terms of what they need. And I find it very interesting that the teams with the most points right now in the league are the Bruins with a new coach who's a little more player-friendly in Jim Montgomery and the Golden Knights with a coach who's a little more tough in Bruce Cassidy. So clearly Bruce Cassidy didn't forget how to coach. It is just kind of confirming what you said months ago, that teams just kind of go in stages in terms of what they need and what they'll respond to. That's the Bill Fitch theory, right? Bill Fitch was uh, the, the taskmaster who helped Larry Bird and the Celtics become a championship contender. Uh, but once uh, that group developed into being one of the best teams in the history of the NBA, they didn't need a taskmaster. They needed Casey Jones, who patted you on the back and, and maybe sang a song at the piano on the road <laughs> trip. Uh, and, and, and he ended up being the perfect guy for the next phase of the Boston Celtics. And I think that's what happens here. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, Jim Montgomery isn't this much better a coach than uh, Bruce Cassidy. Jim Montgomery is this much better a coach for this group of Boston Bruins at this moment in time than Bruce Cassidy. Cassidy is the right guy for Jack Eichel and that group. So, yeah, it's, it's the right fit. I, I think that's management everywhere, right? You've had good bosses. You've had bad bosses. Sometimes they're just bad bosses and you got to move on. Some guys can't coach. 
but most guys who've been around the NHL for a while can coach. You just got to find the team that responds to their style and continues to respond over a period of time. Bruins needed a new voice. They found the right guy in Montgomery. Yeah, Bruins certainly playing awesome right now. TC, Tom Karen over at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. TC, we'll talk next week. We'll be on Thanksgiving Eve, so we'll uh, we'll have some fun. We'll talk in seven days. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Brady.